Thank you. Now, earlier I mentioned about invite cards and inviting. Yes. Oh, let's get the kids dismissed off to. Sorry, we threw things out of whack and put that back on me and I blew it again. Uh, <laughs> I don't care if they stay, you know, personally, but. Um, we talked about the, while they're going, we talked about these cards. I came across a statistic this week. Um, many of you may have think, well, I've invited people and they've said no. The t- statistics show that if you ask a friend to church at Easter time, 82% will say yes. That's huge. And so if there was ever a time you were thinking about asking someone, this is the best time of the year to ask them to come to Easter. So take advantage of those odds and, uh, and uh, go to work on that. I'm glad to be here this morning, being able to open the Word and share it with you. Um, if you do have your Bibles, open them to Luke chapter 18. We're going to kind of land there for just a little bit this morning. Um, I, I'm, if you don't know me very well yet, I'm, I'm a huge movie fan, Okay. Uh, to my shame, there was a point where I owned over a thousand DVDs. Okay, that's ridiculous. God really convicted me of that. We sold those and gave the money to a worthwhile cause. But I love movies, and so I, I like all kinds of movies. I'm a sci-fi fan. I love westerns, open range. If you haven't seen that one, uh, I've got it. So, um, But I love movies, but my favorite movie of all time has got to be Braveheart. Maybe you've seen that movie. Um, Braveheart is a story that was set in Scotland. And in, I don't remember the year time frame, but there was a point where England ruled over Scotland. They had no official king of their own. They had no ownership in their own decisions of how they operated in the country of Scotland. And uh, if you've seen it, you understand. And this is a, this is a historically true story. Uh, a man by the name of William Wallace who who said, no, we're going we're gonna to stand up and fight for our rights as a country, and we're going we're gonna to fight for freedom. Um, there's a particular part of the story, and one of the key characters in the story, uh, and especially as it applies to us today, you re- if you've seen it, you remember the character Robert the Bruce. Robert the Bruce was one of the, uh, one of the lords, uh, son of the lord in, in there, and the way that England controlled Scotland was they would give lands and money to the lords to get them to do what they wanted, okay? So they were basically pawns. Well, this young man actually had some encounter with William Wallace, and William Wallace came to him and said, listen, I can see strength in you. I can see it. You can unite the clans, and you can bring us all together. And he held his hand out to Robert the Bruce, and he hesitated, but he finally grabbed his hand and said, I'll do it, except he got weak. And when it came, push came to shove, when it came time for this final battle that they were going to really uh, uh, attack and probably be able to defeat, if they were united, defeat the army of England, Robert the Bruce chickened out. And instead of fighting for the Scots, he actually was the black knight that rode for England. And in the battle, everything's going on and things are going bad. Um, William Wallace is wounded and tries to come after the escaping uh, king at the time. And 
Robert the Bruce is the one who turns around with his lance and unhorses William Wallace. But he realizes what he's done and he gets off of his horse and he goes to him and William Wallace pulls a knife and is going and he realizes who it is and you could see the look on his face that he was totally destroyed by that. Well, Robert the Bruce goes home and, and Robert the Bruce is messed up by this at this point. He realizes the big mistake that he made and he went back to his father and his father was an old curmudgeon that was just, all he cared about was furthering the family name. And he was telling his father how bad he felt. He said, I, I looked him in the eyes. I know what I did to him. And, and he said, I failed him. I betrayed him. And his father said, all men betray. All men lose heart. And Robert the Bruce cries, but I don't want to lose heart. And I wonder sometimes if we find ourselves in our prayer life saying, I don't want to lose heart, but oh my goodness, I've waited so long. I've prayed for such a long time. But we find ourselves a lot losing heart, wanting to give up instead of keeping on. This morning, we're going to look at the text in Luke chapter 18, um, verses 1 through 8. Um, and I just want to ask the question, and I'd, I'd like you to raise your hand. Have you ever been so discouraged that you just wanted to quit asking? Have you been there? It's a hard spot, isn't it? It's a hard spot. The answer to that is for us to remain faithful to the end and just pray, pray, pray. But there is a point where we get so discouraged that we want to give up. Come with me to the text, if you will. I'm going to read beginning chapter, one, or chapter 18, verse 1. I'm reading out of the ESV. And he told them a parable to the effect that they also always pray and not lose heart. They should always pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear not God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me. <laughs> you ever been bothered by? No, I don't answer that. Um, Though this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He says at all times that we are to pray. And the truth is, we are prone to lose heart. And usually when we lose heart, we give up. At least that's been the pattern for me. When I finally have lost heart, I just give up. And God is saying, don't give up. You see, when, when the illness is dragging on, and you never seem to get past it, when the job situation just doesn't seem to change and, and the future looks bleak, when our child walks away from God and is very slow in returning, 
When the money comes up shorter than the month again. When loneliness never seems to end. When anxiety seems to be just a way of life. The list can go on and on. The problem is we lose heart because God's answers are sometimes delayed. We think, God, you're not answering me. We lose heart because we don't believe he hears. We, we lose heart because we think, well, maybe, maybe he doesn't care. Will you, can I get a word of testimony? I, I've found myself like, oh, well, God must just not care about me. It's easy to get to that point where we say, well, he must not care because I've been asking and asking and asking and he hasn't done anything. God's answers don't always come when we want. What we have to understand is that God is so huge and beyond our comprehension, he's outside of time. We say, I need this now. And God says, I don't see now. I see my timing. God's outside the 24-hour clock. God doesn't work on the same time schedule. He doesn't recognize 2019 as the year of the... God says, I am and I'm overall. And I see, I see the end, I see the beginning, and I see every place in between. So when we pray and God doesn't answer in our time, it doesn't mean He's not answering and honestly, sometimes he has answered and, and you just haven't heard the no and you just keep going on when maybe he's even made it obvious to you that the answer is no. But sometimes it's just delayed. And when we, we need to, to do what, what we can do to help us in the time of delays, first of all, is to have an understanding of who God is. We need a proper view of God and we need to trust His Word. If we can get a proper view of God, it changes our perspective. I don't know about you, but it's difficult for me to view life from His perspective. I can view it from mine. I can view it from my wants and my desires and my hopes and dreams. But it's very difficult at times for me to view things from His perspective. So maybe if we can understand a couple of things. And the first one is immutable. God cares for us. You just have to know that God cares about you. In the midst of that time when it doesn't seem to be an answer coming, don't forget that He cares for us. A couple of scriptures, Psalm 103, 13. These are going to be on the screen. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. He does care about you. Isaiah 49, 14 to 16, But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Maybe you've prayed that prayer and said that to someone else. Can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. You need to remember that. You need to underline that. Even though a mother may forget her child, I will not forget forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Your walls are continually before me. And then 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You see, if we can understand and believe that premise, God really does care for me, 
it will sustain us in those times when the answers are not coming according to our time schedule. It will help us to be able to stay faithful and keep asking and keep on asking because God does care for us. And the second point I want to make about that is God never delays answers because of a lack of care or power. He's not just up there saying, yeah, well, I'm all powerful. I'm just going to hold off for a little while. That isn't how God works. His care for us does not operate that way. He's not about testing us from the standpoint, well, we're just going to see how they react if I don't give them what they want now. Or I'm going to see how they react if I don't give them what they want. That's not, that's not the nature of God. The nature of God is a loving God, a caring God that wants the absolute best for us. Therein lies a little of the problem. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. God's delays always end up being for good, even if that may be hidden from us. Have you ever looked back on a situation and you say, Oh, now I see what he was doing. I recognize now, after uh, everything, all the trauma and the pain of whatever I'm going through has passed, we can look back and say, I get it now. I see what he was doing. How many of you can, can say with confidence, because you've come through an, a long ordeal, that God has built your faith? Isn't it true? When we have to endure, what happens in that is our faith is built. David talked about this, and it's interesting, and I just have to touch base. Last night, Rhonda shared a little testimony, and it was like right in line with what I was getting ready to say. David's Sunday school class was right in line with what I'm talking about this morning, that, that our faith is what sustains us, and sometimes our struggles is what builds our faith. You cannot have faith without some struggles. You will not develop faith in your life unless you are put through the ringer from time to time. Why would you, why would you need faith if everything went smooth for you? The fact is, one of the ways God helps us develop our faith is sometimes He allows us to go through things and I'm not sure if he intentionally just does that, but the reality of it is true. As we go through things, as we deal with the stress of sickness and, and job issues, God builds our faith and gives us more ability to keep on keeping on. The one thing, and this brings about my, one of my favorite verses, Romans 8, 28. You can probably all quote it with me. All things work together for the good that love him and are called according to his purpose. And so even though we don't know it at the time, when we can look back with some sort of sanity, we say, oh my gosh, I see what God did in me. I see how he, he strengthened my resolve. He strengthened my faith. He strengthened my courage as I went through the fire. The last part of that is, is something that we all need to remember Raise your hand if you've been through a trouble and you thought, man, I, can't, I, I wish God would vindicate me. Maybe it's someone, I wish God would do to my enemies what they've got coming. Have you ever, be honest, we're not going to call you out for being sinners because we're all sinners. Uh, I've been there too. I'm like, okay, God, they're going to get theirs. God's going to get them one day. He says, 
in our text that God will certainly bring swift justice for his elect. I don't know if you realize that we, the, the followers of Jesus, we are his elect. We are his elect body. And he says it may not be fast in our time because for us, we live in the culture. It's like if we have to wait more than two minutes in the, in the McDonald's drive through we're like, what's going on? Are they, what, are they, they having a, a party in there? Why can't they get me my, my Big Mac and my soda? This should be already made. Why can't they get it here? That's the mentality we have. So his idea of saying in swift action he will, uh, will uh, fight for us and will, will vindicate us, it may not quite be in the same time we're, t- we're thinking about because we are an instant society. But God says when it's time... And that's what you need to remember. When it's time, God's justice will be swift. And he will vindicate us. So all the struggles that you've gone through and ways that that people have come against you to remain faithful, God says, I will vindicate. And when I do, it will be swift. And you can be assured, I am going to take care of you through that. I don't know if you, if you thought about this before, but God told Noah there was going to be a flood. It was 100 years later when it happened. You think I've had to, you've had to wait a long time on a prayer request. God told Abraham he's going to have a son. 25 years later, he finally has a son. I'd given up. <laughs> he told Joseph that his family would bow down to him. He had to spend 12 years in prison to get that. The Israelites, he told them that he was going to rescue them, only took 400 years. Sometimes we get so in, in so much of a hurry that we think God needs to act now. God doesn't always act when we want him to, but he always acts. You've got to remember that and go back to those biblical examples and say, listen, okay, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to hang in there a while longer. I'm going to stick with this because God has proved his faithfulness over and over and over again. When he promises, I guarantee you he'll deliver in his time. In his time. So not only do we need a proper view of God, we need to have a proper view of ourselves and how the Christian life works. The truth is we can expect suffering in our life. The Bible doesn't, uh, you know, call ifs, ands, or buts about that. He just says, you will suffer. If you, are, if you are a follower, Jesus says, if you're a follower of mine, you're going to suffer like I've suffered. You're going to suffer. And sometimes we can gird our minds and prepare our minds for endurance things by knowing God says we're going to suffer. God says we're going to endure some things that may not be what we like. Hebrews 11, verse 36 through 40 said this, Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. Uh, Any of you experienced that lately? They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, listen to this, did not receive what was promised. So your life may go on and on and you may 
not get to the point where we receive the promise. That doesn't mean God is not faithful and that God will not give. All of these were called great people of faith. Since God had provided, listen to this, something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. The truth is, we need to be persistent with our needs. We've got some folks in our body that need our persistent prayer. BJ's wife needs our consistent prayer. She is struggling from things that no three people ought to have to deal with. If you're not praying for BJ's wife, Tara, every day, you need to be. She needs it. Melissa Duff is dealing with life-destroying migraines. She needs diligent prayer. And if you're not praying for Melissa Duff every day, you need to be. We need to be diligently praying. And maybe there's something going on in your life that you've been dealing with for a long time. Don't quit. Don't give up on that. Jesus says, listen, just like this woman who came to this judge and he pestered her until it drove him nuts. I can just see this woman chasing him home after. It's like waiting outside the courthouse. I'm going to follow him home. I'm going to tell him all the way home. You can just hear it. He's yipping in his ear the whole way. And finally he says, okay, justice. And Jesus says, I want you to pray like that. Now, I'm not sure the yipping in his ear is is the right idea. But be persistent. Don't give up. Keep on asking you say, well, maybe God doesn't want me to ask. Well, if he gives you that feeling that what you're asking for is wrong and you've examined it according to the word of God that it may not be within his will, then yeah, stop asking. But if it's for healing, if it's for you to have strength to make it through a situation, don't stop asking. Keep on asking. Keep on asking. Well, you get two movie illustrations in one sermon today. Um, One of my other favorite movies was a movie called A Knight's Tale. If you've seen that movie, the story is like this. There was a young man who was actually given by his father to a knight to be his hand because his dad really couldn't take care of him and, and this man had money and could take care of his son and make sure he was fed. Well, as he grew up, he got the feeling that maybe he was meant for something more. And just so happened that uh, his knight overseer, Sir Ector, uh, I won't describe it how they did, but he died. And they're like, what do we do? It was in the middle of a joust. He, he was taking a break, and he died leaning against the tree. And they're like, he goes, I can do it. And they said, you can't change your stars. And he said, yes, I can. A man can change his stars. And he put on, he put on the armor and went out. Well, anyway, as the story goes on, they're, they're you know, perpetrating this ruse that he's really a knight when, in fact, he's not a nobleman at all. And they're standing alongside the road one day, and they're discussing what to do with the, what little money they had left. Were they going to go all in and, and do this? And here comes this naked man walking down the road. And, and he's just right before God, just like he came out of the womb. He's just, just naked as can be. And so he walks by him and just, hey, and just keeps on going there. Hey, who are you? 
Well, my name's Chaucer. You, you've heard of me? No. The writer, Chaucer. You, no. Well, he said, maybe you've heard of some of my writings, and he lists off some of his books. No. Uh, and he says, they call me the Lilium Interspenius, the Lily Among Thorns. And they're like, no, I haven't heard of you. And, and he says, oh, well. Uh, and he said, well, well what, are you, what are you doing? And he said, trudging. And they're like, trudging? He said, yeah, you know, trudging. To trudge, the slow, weary, depressing, yet determined walk of a man who has nothing left in life except the impulse to simply soldier on. Simply soldier on. He wasn't going to give up. He was just going to... No, I mean, obviously, he had, I'd have been hiding in the bushes instead of walking down the road naked, but he was not willing to give up. He soldiered on. William Carey, you've probably heard of him if you know anything about uh, the history of missions in our world. He was often considered the father of modern missions. He once wrote this, If after my death anyone should think it is worthwhile his while to write the story of my life, I will give you a criterion by which you may judge of its correctness. If he gives me the credit for being a plotter, then he will describe me justly. I can plod. I can persevere in any definite pursuit. And I want to ask you this morning, are you a plotter? Are you one of those that's willing to just keep going? In your prayer life, are you willing to keep plodding on? Are you willing to just soldier on and do what God's asking you? And what he says is, don't stop asking me. Don't stop asking me. This has to hit home probably to every one of us in some way because every one of us experienced the kind of things that come as a result of God not answering in our time. And so this morning, as we come to our decision time and as the band makes its way back up, I just want, I just want to encourage you. If you've been struggling with something and you're, and you're weary, you're weary, 